finest. Welcome back to another episode of Gumbo. Um, thank you guys for tapping in with us. My name is Ja. I'm Dugo. What's up? We're here with another episode, week 16. We have been in the off-season officially for three months. Way too long. It's been three months since the Super Bowl. And um, as you know, we just had a really big NFL draft. A lot of you may or may not have had your rookie drafts already. Uh, we have ours on Saturday. And Shoot. I'm pretty excited about it, man. We can finally stop fucking talking about rookies and actually talk about the real NFL next week. Yeah, dude. It's so. going to be pretty <laughs> exciting because, like, I mean, so I guess after this week, dude, we're going to have to really talk about, like, some of these, like, fringe-ass, like, players that you want on your roster yep. and the rookies that you just drafted for the future. Or, like, if if you're talking dynasty, at least, you know. When you say fringe, do you mean someone like a Sony Michelle? Yeah, it, yes, exactly. Like a oh. Sony Michelle who, uh, he actually just got uh, got signed to the Dolphins. To Miami. Yeah, dude. And so, I think that's honestly kind of a huge signing. Not necessarily for the Dolphins or anything like that. But, you, like, if you have, like, a Raheem Moster or, like, someone like that who you're banking on, like, getting some carries. Chase Edmonds. Yeah, Chase Edmonds. Miles Gaskin. Yeah, like, it's just such a loaded backfield. Now, it's going to be uh, kind of confusing on what everyone's roles so, are going to be. Do you think everyone's going to make the roster, though? I don't think Miles Gaskin will. No? I think they just gave Raheem Moster and Chase Edmonds money and they brought in Sonny Michelle. I think they're getting rid of whatever old regime they had. Um, Salman right. Ahmed might... Might be around for a little bit, but uh, I think I they... I doubt it. If, if they're going to get rid of Caskins as well. Here's my thing about Sonny Michelle. What role does he play on that on that team now? Well, bro, I think he's going to be kind of just like, almost like a, like a breather back for Chase Edmonds. Like, he, I feel like he does just about the same thing as Chase Edmonds out there. And so, like, if they want to, like, just get, like, a fresh body out there without having it be Chase Edmonds... I feel like he can do relatively the same thing. Chase Edmonds, most of his skill set is pass catching. I yeah, and I think Sony Michelle is uh, if he's not known as a good pass catcher right now, I think he's very underrated as a pass catcher. So you've what seen are you, it, you? You've seen it at the Patriots. You've so, seen it on the Rams. So to determine, I guess what that level is, where do you have Chase Edmonds next year? Do you have him as RB two? RB3. Bro, like, right now, if I have any three of those running backs, I'm assuming, if anything, I'm going to play him as a flex. I, I think... They well, have... I guess, it, like I had just kind of alluded to, like, it depends on who really, like, makes the roster. Mm-hmm. But, like, if they're going to keep those three horses to run with, mm-hmm. I think um, the value is kind of diluted. Yeah, And so, I would say probably, at best, you're looking at flexes for either of those three. Depending okay. on, like, matchups and so stuff like that. even if Sony steps in, he's probably just a flex for you. He's RB3, RB4. Some shit like that, for sure, yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, that's where... He, I feel like that's kind of where he's at on that team. Like, I think Raheem Mostert, I think, is more of a pure runner. Mm-hmm. And I think Chase Edmonds being able... I think he's more of a dual threat. And so, I think Sony Michelle is more of a dual threat running back as well. And so, I would probably rather have Chase Edmonds on the field. On any given play over Sony, unless Chase is beaten up or something like that, you know? I don't know. That's just my thoughts. What, is, what, what, what's your thoughts on this? I mean, Sony is a former first-round uh, running back. Yeah. That was in 2018? Uh, some shit like that, yeah. 
So he's only about 26. Mm. 26 probably at the at the latest right but i mean sony's a talented back he's come he was productive in bill belichick's you know and josh mcdaniel's mm-hmm. run scheme in new england he's one of the few new england running backs that you could kind of i guess consistently rely on james white him and james white yeah Bitch. um that's kind of what i think of when i think of new england you know fantasy players mm-hmm. sony michelle had a role last year on the rams I don't think that he's anything special. He's nothing to write home about. He's probably not a guy you want to start in your RB1 or your RB2 slot. But I think Sonny Michel is someone that can be effective when you know he's getting the work share. When you know there are already pre-existing injuries that will propel him into a starting role. Facts. Trying to guess his value in May is really hard. Guessing his value in October or November will be a lot easier. But regardless, I think he's someone that you should probably stash on your bench. And I'm keeping around. I mean, if he gets the reps, he's a productive RB1 in fantasy if if given the opportunity. We know Raheem Mostert has a history with this. Raheem Mostert has a history with injuries. Chase Edmonds has never really handled a whole, you know, an entire workload. He's always kind of been like a committee guy. Mm-hmm. And Sonny Michel could very well be the early down back slash goal line guy. And even that comes with a lot of value in fantasy. Because what's king and running back stats? How many touchdowns do they get? Sure. Touchdowns are extremely important. And so Sonny Michelle has the upside to be somewhat of what a James Conner was to Arizona last year and just scoop a lot of touchdowns and uh, be someone who can be effective for your team as potentially an RB2 or a nice, you know, RB3 some weeks. Well, I just don't know if that really fits what Sonny Michelle is just because... When you're talking about, like, being, you know, kind of like a vulture, like... What do you mean? Uh, James Conner was last year. I think James Conner was more built to be a vulture. Like, when they got down low, they didn't want to give it to Chase Evans because he's kind of a smaller back. Yeah. You know, he's not much of a bruiser. Chase... Or, I'm sorry, uh, James Conner is. He was that bruiser to go down. Like, Sonny Michelle only got four touchdowns last year. Like, he wasn't very productive on a Super Bowl-winning team. I don't know if he's going to go to the Dolphins, who is, I would say, a fringe team at this moment, and pan out to be anything bigger than he was on the Rams or on the Patriots. I think he maxed out at, what, seven touchdowns for a season career or a season high? His highest finish, in terms of fantasy at least, is wide receiver 30. Or, I'm sorry, running back 30. Okay. So, at running back 30, I mean, his peak is essentially a RB3. But I'm what like I just said. If if he goes to Miami, if Raheem Mostert has an injury and he's sharing the backfield with Chase Edmonds, that's what I'm projecting him for. Yeah, yeah. He I has well, running back two upside, but he's most likely a nice RB three. Yeah, I would just know? I would say personally, I would man. I don't know. Like all those all those running backs that they have, they're like none of them's gonna be like because a stallion. The difference between where he's been and where he's at is he's been in New England with Tom Brady's offense. He's been on the Rams on a Super Bowl-winning offense with Matthew Stafford. Sure. Now he's in a situation with Tua, you know, where Tua doesn't exactly throw the rock 40 times a game, where they probably want to rely on the run game a little bit more. He's going to get a lot more opportunity. Bro, I think the best running back in that system next year is probably going to be Tyreek Hill. He's going to be the best running back in that system. He'll be top three. Tyreek Hill is, yeah. He, he, I He'll think, pop off for a couple of jet sweeps. Yeah, for sure, bro. I think that's kind of why they got him. Because, like, when you look at the running backs they have, bro, 
Like that, it's like I honestly, I don't know, especially but, with all three on their roster. I don't know if I would want any of them on mine. You know why I like the Sony Michelle signing? Why is because it's happening after the draft. So the Dolphins are signing him with regard of what they already have on the roster, and they see something they don't like, just enough to go ahead and sign Sony Michelle to a year long deal and pay him a few million dollars. Yeah, yeah. They obviously just didn't address what they wanted to address in the draft. And like I it's thought, May. It's almost training yeah. camps in a in a in a few in a weeks. Bit, weeks yeah. You know, so when they go out and sign Sony Michelle, that means that he's, he's gonna fill be a, a need. Yeah, he's, he's gonna fill a need. He's gonna make the roster. And he's going to have a role on this offense somewhere. Yeah. They brought him in for a reason. As opposed to just bringing him in because he was in the free agent pool. And that was the best they could land. You know, they brought it him could in. could have been. They brought him in two weeks after the NFL draft. They know what they got out of the draft. They know what they got out of free agency. They know what they have on the roster. Mm-hmm. And they went out and signed this guy anywho. So, I think that um, he's going to have a role. And he was just drafted in 2018. Right. So, he's five years into the league. Yeah, and he's been in a committee every year he's been in the system, so his legs should be relatively fresh yeah. still. But like, in, I don't want to shit on the guy too much. Like, I think he's no a way. decent prospect. No way. But, like, at the end of the day, just because, like, don't get me wrong, when I look at the when I look at what they got on the roster, as far as, like, the two other running backs, and when you go and had, and if you were to just go on sleeper, look at the history of all three of those backs, Neither of them in the past year really were productive. Like, honestly, all of them are pretty mid. So, so I, I, I just don't I don't buy into the system of one of them is going to be a lead dog. And so the, that's, that's why they're fringe, they're fringe flex plays for me at best. Unless one of them pops out during the season. What I'll say is last year, from week 13 through the end of the season. Mm-hmm. So that's about six games. Sonny Michelle was given close to 90% snap share within that time period. Nice. And he had games of 22 points, 8 points, 12 points, 22 points, 17 points, and 5.5 points. Damn. So the reason I give him value is because when given the opportunity, he pops off. I think that if given the opportunity in Miami, in which Raheem Mostert gets hurt because this Keep it crystal clear. Raheem Mostert is for running the ball, and Chase Edmonds is for all the pass catching. Yeah, and Raheem Mostert isn't a very durable back, so I feel like at some point he's going to miss like five or six games. Exactly. So when I'm looking at Chase Edmonds' history throughout his entire career, mm-hmm. in games in which he got more than 50% snap share, he's seen 21 points going into 2020. Mm-hmm. He had a game of 50% snap share and scored 12 51 and 52 in which he scored eight and a half and 13 okay i'm just saying that he's someone who's serviceable when given the opportunity and you should not sleep on him if anything you should go get him while he's cheap sonny michelle is somebody that raheem Mostert is most likely going to get hurt that miami dolphins offense has a ton of weapons but they got to stay honest on the ground if they want to be effective right so yep. sonny michelle is going to get the work share even if chase edmonds is ahead of him on the death chart he serves a role he serves a purpose he's a pass catching back He's not going to get it between the tackles 15 times a game or at the goal line. That's Sonny Michelle's job from Rip. Either he does it and split share with Raheem Mostert, or he replaces Raheem Mostert. It's one or the other. Either they split the share, or Sonny gets all of it. And they're signing him, you know, obviously this week, two weeks after the draft. 
they know what they're doing. He serves a role. So Yeah, I, I think he's gonna serve a role. I just I honestly I feel like yeah, I feel like he could step in for either or of those guys if any of them were to get hurt because I mean even Chase Edmonds, I think he missed a couple games last year. So I mean you look at both those running backs, they both have injury history. I think Sony Michelle does as well. But at the end of the day, like I said, the way I'm playing those three backs, just as of as of right now, let's say, you know, we're in the off season, you know, we currently have those three backs on their roster. I'm playing them as uh fringe flex plays as of right now, unless unless I'm given any other information later in the later in this off season, obviously when uh training camp hits. You know, like if it looks like Sony Michelle's out there a lot more than what I'm thinking, but like right now, I'm kind of thinking like it's gonna be almost cut to like a 33-33-33. Like that's just kind of the way I'm looking at it. Can I ask at, you? If, if that, like, I would maybe even look at it like maybe Chase Edmonds gets like sixty or like fifty, Raheem Moser gets like thirty, and then Sony Michelle gets like the other twenty. Can I ask you a question? What's up, bro? How much of the past game do you think that Elijah Moore gets next year? Elijah Moore from the Jets? How much of the past game with Garrett Wilson, Corey Davis, Braxton Berrios, CJ Uzoma, Michael Carter, and Brees Hall? How much of that offense do you think he owns? I think he probably... Well, I think he's going to be out on the field about 85 to 90% of the time. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming if they're going to be running, like, a two-wide receiver op, uh, like, you know. They'll probably run three. Yeah, if they run, like, two or three-wide receiver formation, he's going to be out there for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I Yeah, I, I as far as, like, catches and stuff, I, I would assume that Elijah Moore is probably going to end up with around, like, 70 to 75, maybe 80 receptions. Okay. Uh, you know, like, I'm not trying to be, uh, like, unrealistic, but I just think one of the things that he does better than Garrett Wilson I think he's a better at screenplays. I haven't stuff even like looked into that. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. I haven't even looked into. I just know Elijah's the slot guy, and Garrett Wilson's probably gonna be the X or the Z. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So like, I just think like for some of like those gimmick plays that they want to run. Yeah. I think Elijah Moore is more of a. He's favorable, like the Debo of that offense. More, kinda. more or less. Yeah. I don't yeah. know if he's like built to run so what as he, hard. What does he but, do better than Garrett Wilson? Well, I just think he's more of like a shiftier wide receiver. Like, don't get me wrong, Garrett Wilson spent a year in the flex at, or I'm sorry, a year in the slot at Ohio State and did really, really well. I'm just saying right now, just kind of like what you alluded to, you think Garrett Wilson's either going to be the X or the Z. I just, I assume, um, I am assuming Elijah Moore is going to be the slot because that's just where he played most of last year. And I don't know if his body is built to be either the X or the Z, just mm-hmm. because I think he's about an inch or so shorter, um, and he might be more built, kind of like what you're saying, like almost like a Debo Samuel type push. Yeah. So, but I just don't know if he's built as big as Debo to withstand those hits, you know, like a Debo would do, like out of the backfield and stuff. That's a really interesting talk that I think we might have had already, but the Debo Samuels model is kind of something that I'm interested in seeing the longevity of. Yeah, I think obviously, like as a fantasy player, you gotta kind of pinpoint those players and make sure if you if you see one of those players on a team, 
Yeah. You gotta go get them. Like, even you like, gotta go get them, but how long do they last in Dynasty? Bro, I don't because know. Because we're investing in players for more than just the year. Dude, yeah, exactly. But, like, when a player like that comes up where you can almost get, like, dual points from. Like, even, like, when Tyler Irvin. It feels Irvin, like a pump and dump. Dude, like, Tyler Irvin, when he was on the Packers, like, in one of my uh, redraft leagues, I picked him up for, like, a couple weeks. Okay. Because he had that dual threat. Like, I'm not sure if I ever made, like, a. I don't know if I ever plugged him in or anything. Yeah. But I picked up Tyler Irvin because I knew he had that dual threat ability because you saw how shifty he was. Like, he would be out there for punt returns and stuff. You started yeah. seeing him actually yeah. get out in the slot. And yeah. I was like, shit, this guy might go on a jet sweep sometime and take one to the house. That's always nice. You know, so, like, I just feel just like... Just have the option, at least. Like. Yeah, if you see players like that and, like, if you see, like, scheme fits like that in those offenses... That's why you kind of have to scout the offenses that your players are in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, who kind of fits that key? Because the NFL is a copycat league. Everyone's going to be looking for that next Debo Samuel to run in their offense. What? So What's the number one toxic trait of a player? And when I'm asking you this question, I'm referring to things like maybe they have bad combine results or maybe they are in a bad organization. What do you mean? So, could you re, uh, repeat the question? So, what are toxic traits? So, what are th- what are red flags that you just will not ignore on a player? Yeah, so I'll look at... So, I'll... So, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, so I guess, like, once I get into the NFL, I'm not going to lie, a lot of the time, I'm not really looking at their combine results, okay. honestly. Like, when so you're looking combine. at... Yeah, like, when you're looking at, like, redraft leagues and stuff like that... Yep. I, I don't give a fuck, dude. Like, I'm I'm picking them based off of, like, their offense that they're currently in. And if they have any sort of, like, upside uh, towards the future, if I'm in a, uh, you know, if I'm in Dynasty, I'm obviously looking upside. I'm looking, uh, like, who's their head coach almost. You know, like, yep. do I see something serviceable there? If they're uh, wide receiver or tight end, um, you know, I'm looking for a good quarterback. What's the draft day ritual that you have? Um, you know, I don't really know if I have any rituals per se. I okay, feel like so you don't have anything you do before draft day that makes you feel comfortable or makes you feel like you might get an extra, extra little bit of luck. Well, I mean, I will say this: uh, when I'm in uh, states that allow it, I will get high before my drafts. Oh, what's that like? You know, I just feel like at least for me. Gives okay. me kind of like an extra bolt of confidence. Everything that I've done leading up to those drafts, I feel like I remember. It's a relief smoke. Sure is. Yeah, it's kind of like, yeah. Well, I, uh, relief with Keith. Hey, that's a slogan. <laughs> Bro, but that ass, like, I don't no. know. Like, I don't, I don't really have too much that I do. Like, I just, you know. I just try to feel like it's every other day. You know, don't make it like it's too big of a deal. Um, don't get lost in the moment. Yeah, I mean, at some point, if I need to, you know, like, juju up some luck or some shit. Oh, juju. You know, like, if I need to conjure up some luck, I might start some rituals at some point in my life. But That's right fair. now, That's fair. like, I feel like what I've, been, what I've been doing and what that is is keeping it casual. Do you meditate? Uh, not to like a certain extent, like, you know, like I, I try to get in my brain. I try to pick apart what's going through my life and everything so, and everything like that. But I can't say that I ever like go sit down in like, uh, in like a breezy field with, uh, with some sort of mat and, 
you know, just, you know, sitting there. No, man. That is not one thing I have done. Have you ever looked up self-meditation on YouTube? Yeah, I have. Really cool. Would advise it. I used to be way more into it. I haven't done it in years. Today was the first day I did it. And I felt so much better throughout the day. Just killed my anxiety. Killed, like, me thinking a lot. Yeah. And it was pretty cool, man. I feel good. So it's something I'm going to try to practice more often and uh, so kind of get into. So you think that will give you kind of some uh, pre-draft clarity? I think it would give me a lot of pre-draft clarity and a lot of trade clarity, which sure. is actually what I wanted to bring up. Okay. The reason that's relevant is because after my deep meditation, I thought of a potential trade offer. That would help me and the team evolve. Sure. So these would be between two players who you may or may not have on your own teams. I uh, listen in at home, but uh, Jerry Judy for AJ Dillon. Okay. What side of the fence would you rather be on? Would you rather get AJ Dillon, who is on the Packers, potentially uh-huh. about to step into a workhorse role? Yeah. If something were to happen to Aaron Jones, or do you go with Jerry Judy, who just got Russell Wilson in town? He has Cortland Sutton, you know, across the field from him, so he's not getting double teamed. And he's a really good route runner. Yeah, bro. I'm a. If I'm talking about my team as of right now, I would love. I would kill to have an AJ Dillon. I think so too. I uh, think he's more valuable in that trade, but you don't get the payout as soon. I think you get the payout as soon. I mean, when you look at what the what the Broncos have on the roster, like maybe Jerry Judy pops off, but you have Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick. You have KJ Hamler. Yeah, KJ Hamler. They just went out and uh, got some sort of tight end. I forgot which one exactly uh, in the draft. I think it was Greg Dolchich, you know, that stud out of UCLA. Greg Dolchich was, I mean, he was somebody that I kind of considered drafting. Sure. He would be someone that I wouldn't mind having on my team. Obviously, if I'm going for it, I'm going to try to go get Trey McBride. Just because there's not as much hype around Trey this year. Usually the top tight end, especially last year with Kyle Pitts. Mm Mm-hmm. Tight ends are valued very highly uh, in all drafts. I mean, even in redraft last year, Travis Kelsey was a first-round pick. For sure. Tight ends are starting to kind of go up in value. And so when you can get a starting one, especially one a part of the Arizona Cardinals offense, I mean, Trey McBride is potentially a steal in the second round. Yeah, dude. And when you look at him and what he did at uh, Colorado State, he was that offense there. Like He knows what it's like to take a shit ton of hits. You know, that guy's built for it. Like, he knows what yeah. he's doing out there. He's seen a bunch of reps. Mm-hmm. I think he's, yeah, he's probably the most ready to go. Yeah. Uh, Greg Dolchich, though, I, I think him kind of fit on the, on the Broncos, though. Mm-hmm. I think he's probably not going to see, like, a huge, huge uh, starting role this, uh, like, the first couple weeks. Mm-hmm. But I think once he builds throughout the season, man, like, I don't. Like, I kind of said this after he got drafted to the Broncos. I was like, oh, there goes Albert O. Because everyone thinks that Albert O is going to be this next, you know, like, phenomenon. Yeah. And honestly, I don't see it. Especially I haven't seen anything to prove that to be true. Yeah, but. and especially with Gary Dolchitz going into the tight end uh, room there. I just think that when you look at it, I think Greg Dolchitz is probably primed to be that next uh, tight end one for that room. I think he's more prolific than what uh, Albert O has ever done. So yeah, I mean, I think he is. Uh, he's someone who's gonna step in after probably next year. You probably get a year with Alberto. If you have Alberto, you hope that he has a couple good good games to start off the season. But he's someone that you should probably try to sell high as soon as you get any production out of him because I don't think with them drafting Greg Dolchich that they're planning on Alberto being the future of that position. 
I think Greg Dolchich is ultimately drafted to either split the snap share or be the alpha at some point in time. 100%. And I thought he was drafted with like third or fourth round draft capital. So, you know, he kind of, like, they have a plan for him. Yeah, Albert was drafted as a part of the Drew Locke regime because they went to college together. You know, they kind of had some history together. Yeah. But at the end of the day, he was drafted back in 2020. He was a round four pick. He hasn't really done much in in the time he's been there. Right. So it's like you're banking on a fourth round tight end just hidden stride because Russell Wilson stepped in at quarterback. Well, it when could I'm, happen, bro. Like, when you look at it, there's a lot of tight ends that are around, like, the fourth and beyond that do end up making it. Yeah. But because it isn't, like, such a coveted position. Like, not everyone shoots for, like, the high risers for, like, uh... You know, like Kyle Pitts or Trey McBride. The, the thing about Greg Dolchich, though, is he was taken with earlier draft capital than sure. what Albert O was. So Albert O was like a late fourth rounder. Greg was, I think he was like pick 80. Okay, um, yeah. So, so yeah, was, that's within the third. He was middle of the third. Yeah. So they took him with earlier draft capital. He has more of a receiving tight end profile. Yep. And he's younger. And he's cheaper for two years longer. Albert O was drafted in 2020. Uh, Greg Dolchers was drafted in 2022. Yeah, dude. And I feel like, you know, how there was all that footage of um, Russell Wilson and all of his boys out in, like, uh, L.A., like, throwing around the pigskin and stuff? Yeah. You know, that's right in Greg Dolchers' backyard. He's probably got there, too, you know, yep. ran some routes with Russell Wilson already. Yep. So I'm excited for that, dude. I think that Greg Dolchers, I think he's going to be a great fit because he is more of a vertical pass catcher. Mm-hmm. And so I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna be great for that offense, man. You even think about tight end contracts. I mean, Russell Wilson obviously is a new quarterback there. Yeah. Drew Locke wasn't making nearly as much as what Russell Wilson's gonna command. Right. And so when you're talking about contracts coming up, I mean, Alberto. That's an easy out. He, even if he is productive, he's gonna demand real money. Right. You look at people like uh, like a George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, Dallas Goddard. Shit, even Hunter Henry got a $37.5 million deal. Right. Jonu Smith is making $50 million yeah. on 12 and a half a year. Are you really prepared to pay Albert O that when you have Russell Wilson on contract for the next few years? No, especially when he hasn't proven anything at all. Greg Dolchich is a better profile. He's younger. Yeah. He does more of the passing game, maybe better. He's closer to what Russell's used to in terms of like a Greg Olson. Right. Will Disley. Um... I think that he's some money that you can snag in the third or second round of drafts. And if you're looking for a tight end, him or Trey McBride are almost interchangeable in effectiveness. I think they're both going to hit it off really well, and they're going to be the two tight ends that you want out of this 2022 rookie draft. You can quote me on that. Hey, that's a hell of a promo for both those tight ends. Good for you, Jeff. Goddamn right. Hey, bro. I don't know. Like, I I 100% agree, though. Yeah, I think... If you got Albert O right now, I would probably, if you bought him already this year, like, jokes on you, they went out and scooped someone. But, like, if you have Stupid. if you have any Albert O truthers out there in your league, I would try to, like, trade him for, like, a third or fourth or fifth, whatever you can do, because, honestly, I don't know how serviceable he's really going to be come season. You I don't know? think he's going to be. I mean, I... He Maybe a couple points season. per day per yeah. game, but dude, like I don't know if he's gonna be putting up those uh tight end numbers like the like you know, like if you wanna get seven, eight, you know, what you're looking for is ten. I don't know how many times Alberto is gonna be getting you any close or any You just gotta look at the facts. I mean, if you are hoping that he's gonna step in and be that, you're 
really you you gotta wish that in. That's not even hoping. You're kind of wishing. Yeah, that's a prayer circle type thing. Like you gotta. It's not likely. It's less likely. But you're hoping for a little extra stroke of luck to make it happen. When in reality, I mean, the writing's on the wall. Greg Dolchich is younger, drafted with higher draft capital, has a better receiver profile, and is most similar to what Russell Wilson's used to in the past at tight end. And Will Disley and Greg Olson. In terms of just how they run routes, how they get separation um, out of cuts, and how they catch the ball naturally, and their drop rates. Alberto is coming out of Mizzou with Drew Locke, and he was drafted to the Broncos regime with Drew Locke in mind. Drew Locke was the starting quarterback there for a year, Mm -hmm. especially in 2020 when they were going into 2021. I mean, he was kind of the guy around there. Like, the last couple years he's been competing with Teddy Bridgewater and Joe Flacco. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, they thought that was going to work, but at the end of the day, this is a whole new offense now. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't think that it's just promised that Alberto is going to be the guy who pops off there i think javante williams is another hot topic player in denver because javante is someone that still has melvin gordon there and we're projecting him to be a top three or five dynasty running back but at the end of the day the receivers benefit more than anyone and i don't think tight ends or running backs are going to see as much of as much as uh, of an effect and maybe that's just me trying to be contrarian trying to be you know different from the crowd but um i i think russell wilson is a great addition to this offense but i don't think that it's something that you should overrate bro i'm kind of you know now that we're on the topic of the broncos man what do you think happens to javante walker and melvin gordon javante williams yeah javante williams and melvin gordon do you think um do you think that they get any sort of uptick because now that they're going to be able to build a lead and sustain a lead, uh, you know, obviously in like the third, fourth quarter, if they're like in some blowouts, like they're obviously going to be running the rock. Do you think that they see some upticks at all, or do you kind of think because Russell Wilson more of a prolific passer, they gonna they're going to want to get like forty five a game, like in like you know forty five passes a game type stuff? What do you think? Well, I personally think that. At some point, they're going to see some upticks. They're going to see some really big games because of the reasons I just stated. Like, they're going to get into, like, you know, not necessarily like garbage time, but, you know, like, when when it really matters, when it's, like, a 14, 17-point lead, and what you want to do is just kill the clock, and you can run the ball prolifically with those guys, I think, yeah, they're definitely going to see some upticks. Who, who gets the goal line work out of that duo? I would say probably uh, I'm gonna say Melvin. Javante. I'm going to probably say Melvin. I would say Javante because I think they drafted Javante in the second round with hopes of him being their starting guy. Yeah, that's fair. Like, I don't doubt that at all. I, I think, just, mm, when I, so, let, so the reason why I think that is kind of like yeah. when everyone thinks of like, uh, like Isaiah Spiller going to the Chargers, like they think they're think gonna give Austin Eckler, who is like their their golden horse right now, they're gonna give him like between the twenties because they don't want a bunch of like bruising type running like mm-hmm. rushes from him. Like they'd rather like pass it out to him or you know like give him like an easy little trap. You know like they don't yeah, want to sure. like they don't want to bruise him up. So I yeah. think that's where Melvin Gordon can come in because he's. Uh, Do you think he just takes carries off of Javante kind of? I think he, yeah, I think he takes some of those carries off, and so mm-hmm. I think Javante is still mm-hmm. kind of hindered a little bit by Melvin. 
uh, just because he knows, uh, at least he knows the area. Like they're gonna. What does Melvin do that Javante is gonna be affected by? Well, I just think he's gonna be another body out there, and he's an effective body. So he's gonna take away carries. Yeah. So like he's just he's gonna take away you know just usage. So okay. instead of him being like at okay. like eighty five percent usage. Yep. I think because he has Melvin, it's going to be more like a 70 to 65 percent usage. Does any of that change because they have a new offensive regime there? They have a new coordinator. They have a new coach. Not necessarily because I think, like we were talking about before, like with like scheme fits and stuff like that. I think both those guys almost do the same thing, and so when you look at what they can do, they can both catch passes pretty well. They can both run in between the tackle. They can both. Ha- have the ability to run off tackle if needed. Yeah. And they can both pass block. Man, that's really tough. So I that's just really think tough. I think they got the running backs that they need for their scheme. Like if they want to just run like a two-headed giant doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like because like I just said, I I think both those guys are interchangeable. I I think so too. So I, I just think like I said like it's just going to be more like target share than anything for those two and I just think so- Javante's going to be the lead horse, I think, this year. But Melvin's going to be feeding off him a little bit and probably getting some, uh, you know, like, uh, end zone work or red zone work. Do you want to hear an interesting stat? Yeah. So I looked at the rushing records from both these players last year in 2021. Yeah, dude, they're almost identical. Javante Williams had 203 rush attempts for 903 yards and four touchdowns. Yeah. Melvin Gordon last year had 203 rush attempts yep. for 918 yards and eight touchdowns. Yeah. What does that tell you? It means it's just about cut 50-50. It's cut 50-50, but Melvin Gordon is getting the goal line work near the near the red zone. In right. the red zone. Yeah, when so you look at when you look at target share. Melvin Gordon last year had 28 catches. Javante last year had 30 or 43 receptions, mm-hmm. 43 catches. So Javante outworks him in the past game. Yep. But Melvin is getting the almighty gold. He's getting the red zone touches. Yeah. The red zone goal line touches. Yeah, and I don't think that's going to change with this next Why coaching staff. Why would it? Staff. Because that's his that's his specialty point. Right. So it's like, with Javante, I mean, I'd expect him to get more early down work. He'll probably hit a thousand yards this year. But Melvin takes those anything within 10-yard touchdowns away. Right. I don't know how you live with that as a fantasy manager. That just pisses you off by having to watch Javante. Because not only... People are protecting Javante to be a RB3, RB4. Uh-huh. Overall in fantasy. Especially in dynasty leagues. What happens when Melvin Gordon starts stealing his goal line touchdowns and now you got an RB12? RB13. Right. And he's slightly better than what he was last year. Which is very true. Like, it could happen. I just feel like the majority of those red zone snaps are going to go to Melvin like we had seen earlier. But I feel like definitely they're going to graduate Javante into getting some of those for sure. Like that, I don't think that's a no. I think that's a no brainer. Mm-hmm. But until until then, I think he's obviously just going to vulture off of, or Melvin's going to vulture off of Javante. And so for that, like I just, he's obviously not going to be like, I don't know, like a, a gold horse yet. You know, I don't know. 
How much do you value running backs? Immensely. Are they your number one asset in fantasy? Kind of. When building a team? Kind of, yeah. Like, when I'm looking at it, dude, if I could get running backs that can prolifically get me good points and they can stay healthy, I almost feel like I can go and plug and play wide receivers that I can get, uh, you know, like, for lesser value. So whether that be, like, redraft leagues where, like, your first pick is a running back, your second pick might be a running back, and then you got two stable horses, and you go ahead and you get, like, two or three wide receivers the next couple rounds, unless there's obviously a great value play. Like, then you have three wide receivers that you can plug and play, and then the rest of it, I mean, obviously there's some more strategy to that. Like, if there's, like, a prolific tight end that I can find somewhere, I really like a good tight end play. So, I mean, there's just, there's a lot that goes through my mind, and, I mean, you kind of have to play how the draft falls. But Mm -hmm. if I'm I'm building a team in Dynasty, like, in this occurrence... I definitely value running back play a lot more. Like, I currently have two golden horses with Derrick Henry and James Conner, who really, really can hold the load for me. And what I need to do is find serviceable wide receivers to play with them so I can find uh, the playoffs and then, you know, obviously to the Shiva. Yeah, running backs are extremely important because you need that reliability at that position. 100%. It's really hard to find replacement value there. You're not going to find... If you have an RB1 or even someone like DeAndre Swift as your RB2 per se... Facts. Bro, you can't just go on the waiver wire and replace that. No. That doesn't happen. So, like, you need to have not only high-end consistency, mm-hmm. but you need to have someone who has staying power. Someone with first or second round NFL draft capital. That's few and far between because the league doesn't draft running backs that high anymore. You can go get an Antonio Gibson who got drafted in the third round, but as we saw this year, I mean, it's Antonio Gibson and two other backs that are manning down that run game. Yeah. You can go get someone like a Naheem Hines or a Marlon Mack, but as we see, like, teams eventually want to upgrade once they see their run game could work. Yep. You can go get someone like Michael Carter in the fourth round, but as soon as the team realizes that they might be privy to a potential run offense, they're going to go get a better back to go handle that workload. True, and I mean, that doesn't necessarily happen all the time. I mean, I feel like teams are always trying to upgrade at running back, and when they see a good play or a good value, I think they want to scoop it because they know if they can build up their line and if they can take a little bit of stress off their quarterback, mm-hmm. I think obviously it just it, it makes an offense better. Like, if it you're does. if you're one-dimensional, your offense isn't going to be good. Mm-hmm. Like I, I love I love seeing teams invest in their own line too. Facts, dude. Like as an ex lineman, like I fucking absolutely love that. Like mm-hmm. boys, go out and get paid. I wish I could go make some lineman money out there, but yeah, you know that's just life. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also like shows you how much they actually care about football because like a lot of those franchises, like the Cowboys, will go and draft linebackers and receivers instead of. I mean, and obviously they did at some point spend money on their O-line back in, like, the 2000s. They sure shit. did. But, um, like, well, that hasn't been a consistent theme, more so these recent years. Yeah, maybe not, these, maybe not these recent years, but, I mean, they invested in, like, they Zach had Martin. They had a run. They had, yeah, like, they, at one point, they had the best offensive line, and that's why, <clears throat> mm-hmm. 
And that's why Ezekiel Elliott was, like, you know, so highly valued. I like mean... 2016, 2017. Yeah, like, when they had, like, that group up front, and obviously now that group is either getting older, they've gone elsewhere. Yeah. But, I mean, they still have some pieces. I mean... That's the kind of shit that, like, with the Giants, for example, Saquon Barkley is someone that is extremely undervalued right now. Yeah, dude, and they're they're building up that offensive line right now, they the spent, Giants. They spent a seventh overall pick on Ebeneal. Yeah. Who was one of the best, if not the best, run-blocking lineman in that draft class. Maybe not the best run-blocking. I would say he's probably the best pass-blocking, though. But he, I mean, regardless, what I really like about Evan Neal is he can play both sides of the tackle. Yeah. And he does have some get-off off the line. So, like, he's not a slouch in run-blocking, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But I just think his specialty is but- pass-blocking, but he's still great. So the Giants also drafted another lineman, I believe, in the third round. Uh, name is Joshua Izudu from North Carolina. Yeah, he was that uh, like guard tackle hybrid that they got, right? Yep. So he's they're investing in their O line again. Yeah. And that's really nice to see. So that makes me kind of believe in Saquon Barkley's value a little bit more because. A lot of his issue the last couple of years, they had one of the worst offensive lines in NFL. Yeah, just super inconsistent, man. I don't know what in the world they're doing. Like when you look at their offensive line play, like everyone it seemed like was getting beat on every play. So now that they've added a couple new fresh bodies in there, and I think they also addressed it in off or like in free agency as well. Mm-hmm. Like, I think the I think the uh, Giants here. I think they're gonna be kind of primed to. I mean, probably not take that next step and be super competitive. Mm-hmm. But if you have some players on their team, I think at least if Daniel Jones is going to be their starter, I think he's going to at least have a little bit more time in the pocket. And I think you'll probably be seeing a little bit of uh, some stress taken off of him uh, with Saquon being a little bit more productive and hopefully being what probably not what we have hoped all this time, but at least more than what he's been. He's a steal. And dynasty drafts. Yeah, man, he's just been an injured buck this whole time. I think so. that he's so talented, and he's had one of the best profiles we've ever seen from the running back position in fantasy. Yeah, man. Coming in from Penn State, like, his profile was out of this world. So we knew he was fast. We knew he was big. We knew that he was hyper-athletic. And, I mean, he went to a really bad organization that yeah. didn't prioritize putting a line in front of him. Right, and he's been hurt a lot as well, which obviously hasn't helped. But No, and he's hurt because the line doesn't protect him. That's fair. Yeah, you know? you're not wrong. So now that they're actually investing in Evan Neal, who is probably going to be a tackle, now they invested in Joshua, who's probably going to be a, a guard star- on one yeah, of the sides. Probably his starting guard. Definitely a starting guard. Most likely. And so you're looking at his whole entire offensive line essentially being revamped. I mean, they got another lineman too. Uh, in the fourth round, so you know that they are starting to prioritize that, and they brought in an executive from the Buffalo Bills, yeah, who understands how a good football team is made, right? So I think Saquon Barkley is someone you can get pretty cheap right now, and uh, you should if you can, if you can offer a late first rounder for him, if you can offer an early second, and the owners are so tired of having him that they do it. I think that's a win for you if you get Saquon Barkley. He's twenty four, twenty five. He was taken with such early draft capital that that is going to almost guarantee he gets a second contract. Right. Somewhere. The almighty second contract somewhere where he obviously 
has that alpha potential to shine. The only place it wouldn't happen is if he goes to Indianapolis behind Jonathan Taylor. Which won't happen. Or if he goes to Pittsburgh behind Najee Harris. Right. Outside of that, you put him on any other team, he's fighting for starting reps. Yep. I don't care if they're rookies or what. Like, you put him on the Jets, bro. Like, him and Brees are duking it out for... He's probably beating Brees for primary running back duty. Probably, yeah. If he could stay healthy, that's just his biggest thing lately. Yeah. So, Saquon's someone that you should want to get on your team because that prospect profile never just disappears. And the Giants have an improved line. And even if he does leave, chances are he's going somewhere better. Right. So, he's somebody that I think that you guys should buy high on. Yeah, for sure, man. Yeah, and I feel like... I feel like that value might be a little skewed if you're just giving up, like, a second or a first. Mm-hmm. I feel like this guy is probably going to still probably demand at least, like, an early first at least. Like, he probably. is a starting running back, and like you had said, his value, regardless of what people want to say, it shouldn't have been skewed too much to where you're looking down on him. Mm-hmm. And, shoot, man, like, coming out of the draft, like, I feel like every single person was taking him, you know, like, one 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 two. So, I, I think in most cases, a lot of people that are uh, consider those mm-hmm. are typically worth more like two firsts or like a first and a third in some cases. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, with, with his injury history, maybe he could be skewed down to like a first. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know if you're giving up a second for him unless, like you had said, the owner's you actually just, just fucking just done. done. If you've been relying on him to produce and he just hasn't come through and you don't have the depth to replace him. Yeah, if you could like trade a second and get like a Rashad White or like a Damian Pierce. It's it's the Juju curse. Like Juju was effective a few years ago, but having him the last couple of years hasn't been great. That's a lot of players though. You can't just call it the Juju curse shit, dude. Maybe I'm just hating. There's a lot of players like that, dog. There are. There are, and Saquon, unfortunately, is on the verge of becoming that. Yeah. So, we pray for that, um, but that's all I got for this episode, man. That's fair, man, yeah. I Yeah, I don't really got much more. Shit. Cool. Well, I appreciate y'all for tapping in. Feel free to listen next week. Uh, my name is Ja. I'm Dugo. Appreciate y'all.